bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. It's the Hive Sports Podcast. Jazz, college football, bees, we got them all. So listen up, because we, 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 we got the buzz. Turn down the buzz! Okay, thanks for joining another episode of the Hive Sports Podcast on our hashtag Pause Monday episode for, for all your BYU news. I'm Daniel Olson, and I am the producer, the, the creator of the Hive Sports. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's just at the Hive Sports because um, we have all the buzz in the Beehive State for you. And, and today we have... And BYU news, a lot happened, some good, some not so good, but we're going to cover it all, try to make the not so good um, not not too painful. But first of all, um, I'm excited to announce that uh, now we're, we're going to start getting more guests on the podcast, especially for BYU, because we know there's a lot of, of you passionate BYU fans out there. So if you want to be on the show or even send in a mailbag question, let me know. We we did have one mailbag question we'll get to later today, but it's kind of from a Aztec fan who's just kind of trying to talk a little smack here. But um, but anyway, so our our first um, our first guest here, I'm going to introduce here. Um, so he he um, has always like read sports stats in the Desert News since he was a kid and. He is a big BYU fan, but he's also one of those fans. He's not just like a like BYU or nothing. Like he doesn't hate on other schools, which I think is great. Like he he likes he follows all the schools um, and a lot of teams. Just what makes them great. Like some of his teams are the Bengals and the Angels, and of course the Jazz are our main pro team in the state. So um, so he's just been in sports. His parents got him in sports since he was a kid. Um, so let me introduce, uh, so Jake Sorensen, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you doing, Dan? Good. Thanks, Jake. Um, I wanted to start off just, just where can uh, BYU fans follow you on Twitter to, to see more of your your sports opinions and, and takes and stuff like that? Yeah, um, my, I guess my tagline, or they call it your handle, um, is jakersor underscore 21. I go by DJ Jabs, though, just because... I recorded a song about Jimmer Fredette when I was in high school, and so I've kept that DJ name since then. But, yeah, that's my Twitter handle. Oh, that's cool. So I don't know if I've ever heard of that one. I, I remember seeing, like, the, the Teach Me How to Jimmer, like, parody back back when he was doing his thing. But that's that's cool. You'll, we'll have to hear that sometime or if it's on YouTube or something. It is on YouTube. Actually, it's funny because I put it to Utah highlights from when I went to a Utah um, Oregon State game back in like 2015. But I sang the song back in high school, like 2011, when it was all going down with Jimmer. So, but it's uh, to the tune of Wiz Khalifa's Black and Yellow. So I'll, I'll put oh, yeah. it on my on my Twitter. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Especially yeah, with this coming up, I, I'm sure BYU fans that they would think that that's cool. Anything to do with BYU, especially. I mean, Jimmer was probably. I mean, it's not one of the, the greatest players in, in BYU basketball history, so, so that'll be awesome. Thank you. Well, yeah, thanks for joining. We got a lot to get to today. We're gonna we'll, we'll touch on a little bit. I know it was a rough, but we're gonna touch on the the college 
football game that BYU had and and Taysom Hill. And then if if there's time, we might get to the basketball thing. I'm not sure, but 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 we'll we'll see about that. <laughs> um, Sounds good. Yeah. So the college football game. It sounds like you saw the whole game, right? Yeah, I watched it start to finish. It was great. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. So funny story. I was. So I guess for those who don't know me, I'm Daniel. I'm. You can find me. My hashtag. I am a, a Aggie fan, but also a BYU fan. But my hashtag is US at USC the right blue. Um. But but yeah. For this podcast, yeah, we're talking all. We're all hyped about BYU. Um, so I actually wasn't able to watch the first couple quarters, but I, um, before I, I got on, I made sure to do my homework and, and watch some of the the replays. I I did watch the last quarter live, and that was that was crazy. Probably not the best of the quarters to watch. Um, I was following it because I was doing family stuff and and you know, out to dinner, and then came back. Um, I but yeah, I did watch all the basketball game after that, but. Anyway, so Jake, what kind of stood out to you throughout the flow of the game? Um, like, what do you think BYU did well? What do you think they struggled with ultimately in this game? Man, it was really kind of hard to dissect. I was kind of I had followed Hans Olsen a lot um, before the game, just trying to get his scoop because he does the video breakdown, and I was like, yeah, I think the size advantage is going to be something huge to the trenches, and that was something that stood out to me from the beginning. The leverage that. Uh, Coastal was getting on BYU in the trenches was just insane. The O-line was, was shaken from the, the first, like, three to five passes of the game, the one that was called back. Um, I don't know. There was just a lot of um, silly mistakes, too, that, um, that kind of stood out to me that way. The, the good, though, um, one, I figured they should have run the ball a little bit more because Algier was, was tearing it up, like 6.3 yards per carry, somewhere in that range, 6-plus. Um, and honestly, I thought they'd be using him a little bit more. I was kind of surprised by some of the gadget plays. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's good to mix it up. But overall, I guess just the trenches, they just got dominated in the trenches. And that was something that was supposed to be the strong suit for the Cougars. So that was what was most, I guess, telling to me of the whole game. Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because, I mean, I'm not going to, like, knock the other part of the schedule, but I don't think they probably faced an opponent that – that tough in the trenches and maybe they were having an off day but I, I remember hearing before the game that yeah like BYU has these like 300 pound like six foot five linemen and, and like Coastal had like one guy in the line that was like five nine like like not not a big guy at all like maybe in, in, in the 200 somewhere but like I did, did, did it seem like um maybe it was just our size versus their speed or, or strength or or what do you think they did that Made, made them dominate the line so much despite the size disadvantage. I definitely say the speed. I don't think BYU's played a team as fast as Coastal this year. And that was one of the things that I, before the game, I said, I think BYU needs to just come in locked in because the speed of this Coastal team is something they haven't faced quite yet. I think the fastest secondary they face is probably Western Kentucky just watching their games. But Western Kentucky didn't have good, like a defensive front, and their offense struggled. So, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't as glaring. Um, but that was probably the fastest team they played, probably on both sides of the ball. Their, their running backs were some of the fastest I'd seen. Um, I honestly thought they could have taken advantage of McCall. I think when uh, he got out of the pocket, he's kind of a slow runner. I figured they would they'd track him down and they they all, I mean, hawk to the football. But they didn't do it as quickly as I was hoping. And um, overall, I think their backs um, and their D line, especially, really the speed in in those areas, kind of just shook BYU a little bit. 
Yeah, definitely. And and I, I and another thing that that I want to point out that I I kind of heard before. So I was listening to ESPN 960, and and for those of you who want to go, I think at like 5 p.m. on Friday you can go listen. I actually guest was a guest on there with um, Ben Criddle, and 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 so we talked about basketball. But before me, the the Coastal Carolina announcer, kind of like yeah, the Greg Rubel of of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, he was saying like one thing to watch out for is time of possession because they will just chew the clock out to zero and then just like like you said the speed they'll just like run it a lot and and it seemed like that's what they did because I was wondering like because I I came in and was like on Twitter I'm like what what the heck's going on like why is it BYU dominating and and everybody was like it's time of possession and somebody sent me a screenshot and it seemed like at the time I I was looking at it like they were like more than double the time of possession that BYU had so that that's really disadvantageous when you have a big offense like BYU's does. And um, from some of the highlights I saw, Zach Wilson, um, yeah, from the the box, just looking at the box score, I think I tweeted out something like, like what the heck's happening? Like Zach's like a Heisman candidate, and he's like one for five, like twenty yards. Like he struggled the first half, but I did see a, a, quite a few running highlights when I was looking through the highlights that Zach ran it and. And Hans Olsen, like you mentioned, he broke down a play where he's like, this is an NFL throw. This is why Zach's an NFL quarterback, which I, I, I still think he is. I don't know how much of a stock took a hit, but I saw some good passes. And definitely, like, um, in crunch time, so close. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sure BYU fans have seen it, so maybe we don't need to break it down too much. But, like, yeah, just two yards close, like, but is there anything you think the BYU could have done? Like, could they have maybe tried to throw it in like the end zone, or, or, or like what what more do you think BYU could have done to to win this game? Yeah, I think they should have saved that timeout on fourth and six instead of um, using it um, right before a punt. I think Kalani. I don't know. I I can't read his mind, but I'm assuming it was something that he saw that he was worried they were going to try a fake or something, um, and especially where. I mean, that fourth quarter of the time, again, just got chewed, like you were saying. They just managed the, the game so well with time of possession, Coastal did. Um, I think maybe that was kind of where it got to, but I honestly, with 50-whatever seconds it was, I thought there was a lot of hope that they'd get down the field that fast just because they've scored that fast before the season. With that first play that was called back on the 91-yard touchdown, like, I know they can strike fast. Um, and it was just kind of weird watching um, – I don't know, the, the holding penalties, it bugged me a little bit. It felt a little bit disproportionate. Every fan's going to say that, but I was I was a little bit just, I don't know, irked by that. But then on the final play, it seems like um, that's maybe one thing against Zach, um, and maybe it's something that he's supposed to do. I don't know. I'm, I'm not his coach, but he seems to lock in on a receiver and, and go to that receiver every, I don't know, every so often it seemed like Milne was the receiver on that drive um after Gunner got hurt I honestly thought he had Algier in the flat where he could just run it in on the little screen um he kind of held the held the line for a minute nobody was rushing and then he just kind of squirted outside and I thought he was gonna have a free clear pass in the end zone the other one I was um, seeing is Neil Powell in the corner of the end zone I thought maybe that was the other option um because they I guess Milne and, and Powell were both right along the line, um, but Powell kind of seemed to break free of his his backer. And so, I don't know, it, that, that's kind of what I saw in that final play, but it seemed like Zach had locked in and he had 
he thought Milne was was close enough that he'd get in. It just it was that close. You know what I mean? It was a yeah, that was a ch- um, tough play, man. Yeah, I'll have to take a closer look. Like I didn't, I I wasn't really thinking about that when I was looking at that one, but um, kind of one thing I do like about what Zach Wilson does that Hans kind of said the reason he's a NFL quarterback is if you go and watch that there was one pass I can't remember exactly when it was but um he doesn't like sell, he doesn't telegraph his passes like he's just like looking everywhere like but the the receiver he was throwing to and then all of a sudden he takes a glance and just darts it to him which which maybe like you said maybe on that particular play like um maybe he wasn't really going through his progressions like he should have maybe he was just thinking okay I got to get it to our best guy and that's Milne but um, Coastal Carolina was probably thinking like, okay, gun, Gunner's out, and like if, if if they did their film analysis, they're probably like, okay, Milne is like for real, so like we got to get on him. So maybe that's why they kind of left the other guys open because they knew that Milne, if you put Milne one on one, he'll probably make the play and, and win the game. So yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, I, if I could attribute it back to like, there's four plays that lost BYU the game. It's that fourth down punt the Jackson, Chris Jackson running backwards for 30 yards or whatever it was. I think oh, yeah. that end pass, he, he could have read through progressions a little more. But there's, I don't know, those those three, there's one more, I can't even remember, the holding, the holding um, penalties. Those, those kind of just shot BYU in the foot, and they just couldn't, and time of possession, I guess there's five. Those are the five keys that really just hit me is they could have done better. Yeah, and at, at near the end of the game, I think it evened out a little bit. They had 22 minutes, but yeah, still not nearly enough, like 38 minutes for Coastal Carolina. But, yeah, well, I think maybe maybe we'll spare BYU fans and, and we'll we'll call it good on, on at least this game. But uh, I wanted to get to one real bad question. There's this guy that um, follows me. He's a San Diego State fan. He um, I, And as a BYU fan, I'm sure you know, like, um, there's some San Diego um, fans, or maybe particularly their student sections, account the show is like like they're not super classy all the time so like um utah or like yeah just kind of our whole religious culture here and stuff which is crazy but zippy he's actually a pretty classy guy but when i tweeted the mailbag thing and said oh who wants to ask a quick question he he said um so of course he had to get a job and he was saying like uh so is, is san diego state going to beat byu in both basketball and football but um, I, I have my thought on, on that, but but between those, like, do you think BYU will beat them in both or one or the other or none of them? Like, what what do you think? Um, I mean, watching Pepperdine today. <laughs> That's a good question. But after watching Pepperdine today with San Diego State, uh, it makes you feel like, uh, I don't know, they have a good chance with the length they have this year in basketball. And then football-wise, I think, I don't know, that'll be the biggest challenge, locking back in after a loss. You'd hope that, I mean, I I thought about this too this morning. They took a month off between FBS programs, between playing Boise and Coastal. And now they have a week. Yeah, it's a, I mean, a week after a loss, but you really just hope that they lock in. And, and I think they'll beat them in both, honestly. That's my hope. I, I think there's enough motivation there and, and angst, I guess, um, between the programs that I think the two losses last year have motivated enough that they're they're going to come out with the right men- mindset, you'd hope at least. And if not, they're going to get, they're going to get thumped. That's my guess is it's either going to be a, a good win or they're going to get thumped. So. Yeah, that's a good take. Um, for, for me, like, 
I don't know. As far as San Diego State goes, even though I'm a Mountain West fan, like I'll, um, I'll always cheer for BYU over <laughs> them. But um, at least for for football, I think BYU is is definitely favored. Um, there's a lot of factors that can happen. Like San Diego's a good running and defense team, so even though it like they might not be used to the cold, I think that those bode well if it's like a rainy, like terrible, like weather game. Then then yeah, maybe they have a better maybe a good running team, maybe not better, because, yeah, we have Algier. But um, as far as that game, like, I just think San Diego State is a traditionally pretty good at basketball. But, I mean, two of their games versus Colorado State were postponed, so we ha- they haven't really seen a test. They will see a test on Thursday, um, the 10th this week, and then uh, against uh, 25th-ranked Arizona State, and then they'll have about eight days to prepare for BYU. So, so that'll be interesting. If I had to guess, I I think that BYU's, I mean, I, and I could be opposite, and 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 maybe San Diego gets football, but not basketball. But I I feel like BYU's definitely going to get um, football, but they're going to have to play better than they have in some of their games. I'm not, I mean, BYU's looked good in a lot of their basketball games, but they they have to be on kind of that A game, I think, to be San Diego State, in my opinion. Um, and it's at San Diego State, it looks like so. Um, I don't know how much oh, fans true. they're allowing, but the the show that they are one of the craziest. I, I will say I, I think BYU and my Aggies are are pretty crazy, and and I think we do it most of the time. We do it in a more classy way. I know sometimes my Aggies can get kind of crazy, and and I'm, I'm sure the Rock, yeah, BYU gets crazy, but I feel like we try to keep it classy for sure. But but yeah, I'm excited to see um, that. So. Do you have like a, a score prediction, or have you thought as much how you think the game's going to go this week, or are you just kind of still soaking in the this last game? No, I've thought about it a little bit. Um, I kind of I usually wait for the week because I'll watch film and everything that way. Kind of I try to go through Hans' clips when he posts them, like I said, but I'll also go back and watch highlights from other games. And I really don't think the offense this year for San Diego State's as strong as it was last year to mix with their defense. And that's usually, it's kind of like Utah. Their offense is what struggles, but their defense is solid. And so I was thinking all along, kind of like a 31-10 kind of game. I just think last year, like I said, the offense just struggled so, like, I don't know, so bad. And it just makes you, I don't know, you hope that Zach Wilson's going to have a little bit of um, fire under his rear, whatever you want to say, to to get that game uh, a big W for the, for the Cougs and get them back on track. First 10-win season and what is it, nine years? Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of motivation behind it. Um, and so, yeah, 31-10 is what I'd say, probably. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, just looking at San Diego State, they, I mean, they took it to my Aggies. Granted, yeah, some of the teams that aren't doing so well, like the Aggies and UNLV, they, they got those ones pretty good. But, yeah, they, I mean, San Jose State, they're usually a doormat. But this year, they beat San Diego State. Um, Nevada is also doing good. So when it comes to good teams, yeah, in Colorado, um, that they struggle against those teams. But if they're not as good, then then they win. But it looks like um, ESPN FPI has BYU 87% chance to win. So I think that'd be good if they can finish on a high note. I, I mean, at this point, I, it sucks to say, but um, it might be hard to get that covered in New Year six. And credit to BYU for um, flying. What was it like? Two, three thousand miles across the country, like 
with not like much time at all to prepare. Um, I think that that at least that looks really valiant in the eyes of a lot of people. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, there's like this narrative that oh BYU is ducking Washington. They're like they don't want the smoke or whatever. Like they definitely wanted the smoke. Like and you can say it, it was a Sun Belt team or whatever, but it, it's like they're they're the best team in the Sun Belt right now. And I mean they beat Louisiana, who beat uh, for some reason Iowa State can lose by <laughs> double digits to a, a Sun Belt team and stay in the top ten, but with the the biases of the of some of the college playoff committee, I, I know there's some troll accounts there that kind of make fun of how biased they are. But um, but yeah, unfortunately BYU can't couldn't afford this loss in the race. But I hope that they still can get this win and get a another bowl win on their on their pelt. So um, yeah, but yeah, I'd love this. I'd love to see a game on the 19th too. I don't know what the chances are of it. I don't, maybe you've heard more than I have, but if they could get two more games at this point, I just feel like the guys just want to play, and that's kind of the feeling I had. They just wanted to play anybody, and yeah, it was New Year's Six hopes too. That that was definitely a part of it, but I just want to see these guys play because they they have such a passion for the game that we haven't seen at BYU in so long. Yeah, you saw some of them were breaking down in tears after it, like, and and because they they definitely love the game, so um. Yeah, if they could somehow get a Power 5 game, like, yeah, if they schedule Bama and beat Bama, then, yeah, why not give them a, a New Year's Six? But I don't know if it'll work that way, but if they could, that would be cool. That would be the day before the selection committee, so it's kind of like a last audition thing. But we'll see how that yeah. happens. But um, so so real quick, I just wanted to touch um, a minute on, on NFL bef- before we maybe talk a, a teeny bit about my Aggies and, and BYU and basketball, but um, so Taysom Hill, um, we've had a couple of weeks to, to dissect him. It's his third start since um, Breeze had the, those rib fractures, and so so bad for Breeze. But um, he played Falcons twice, and then Broncos once. But yeah, today it looks like it was a little bit closer. I don't know. If, I I know. I think it was on on the national broadcast. It was being broadcast here. In, in Utah, um, were you able to see a lot of that game today? Yeah, I watched probably three quarters of it, um, just with church and everything. But we watched a good portion of it, and I, I honestly, I thought I saw a lot of different things that people have been um, dogging on Taysom about over the past couple of weeks. It was really interesting to watch him throw touchdowns <laughs> rather than run oh, touchdowns. Yeah. And uh, I, I felt like there was a lot of just fire in I don't know his eyes. He just had that passion of like. I'm going to get this. I don't know. He's been really motivated the past three games. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, and definitely. And, uh, and yeah, I agree. Like, like kind of as a joke, I was wondering, like, when he first started and he was getting all these rushing touchdowns, I'm like, what, geez, he's like a, a quarterback. Like, it's not like, I, I, guess, I guess, yeah, Tim Tebow, he, he kind of reminds me of, like, if a more, more, a bigger, stronger, faster Tim Tebow, like if Tim Tebow had implemented Taysom's then maybe he could have been the same, but but Taysom, like credit to him for his passing. Like I, I've been kind of waiting. I'll have to go back and watch the highlights because I've been kind of excited to see him throw his first touchdown. Because there was a stat that said the last time he actually threw a touchdown was when he was in in college at Utah State. Um, I remember going or not, or not, he was playing Utah State in Provo, and shortly before he got injured, I think he had a touchdown in that game. But I thought it was interesting, as much as like a Swiss Army knife and how he's had like rushing and and receptions and blocks and all this stuff like 
it, 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 I was kind of surprised that he hadn't had one, but I'm, I'm I'm happy for him. And looks like his completion percentage, what whatever twenty seven divided by thirty seven, like probably over sixty percent completion percentage. So it it wasn't a bad day at all for him. Like he wasn't maybe throwing for four hundred yards, like like maybe Breeze or, or or Mahomes or whatever. But he he did what it took to win and. This was the closest game that he's had. Like he beat Atlanta by five, and and I heard so Atlanta. It sounded like they they were trying to make a late run, but um, the Saints defense kind of stood firm and, and helped Taysom get another win. Um, and it doesn't seem like the schedule gets too difficult until not not next Sunday, but the week after that. So the, this next Sunday they play the Eagles, and we know like the NFC, like the least the least. NFC least conference they're not doing too well so I mean I I expect like I don't know if we'll really see Taysom struggle until maybe the Chiefs and you never know like the Chiefs are 10 and 1 but they're I mean I mean they have lost one game so they're beatable but um how do you think yeah. the rest of the season is going like I don't know if Drew Brees is gonna get back in time but how do you Schedule. see yeah I think Drew Brees, they said today um, he's scheduled to come back or be available to come back against the Eagles again, which that's kind of what I assumed um, three to four weeks, roughly, with ribs. Um, it was interesting, though, because I feel like today, the past two games, like you mentioned, it was all rushing. Like, Taysom Hill managed the game. He threw what he needed to, but he didn't have any passing touchdowns. But, it, I mean, rushing the ball, he was really great. And today, you finally saw that balance where something clicked for him where he was He's not just trying to, like, run the ball every time. And he wasn't trying to force passes, but it was just really balanced. And so, I mean, still getting 83 rushing yards today on 14 attempts. So he's at, like, six yards a carry, 5.9 yards a carry. He's still – he's kind of finally getting that balance. And I, I really kind of hope they do give him a shot next week against the Eagles. Let Hopefully today gave him that peace of mind where they can say, okay, let's let Breeze kind of recover a little bit longer. Um, I'm not going to go as far as like Brady Papinga on Twitter will say, where he's a poor man's Patrick or Patrick Mahomes, a poor man's Taysom Hill. I'm not going to go that far because <laughs> I think, I, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is pretty dang great, but I mean, I think Taysom is proving that with a little bit of, of time, some game reps in actual NFL games, not preseason games, he can manage a game throwing, passing, I mean, throwing, rushing, um, and just overall in any area they need him. If, if Breeze is back, he's going to be back on the field playing tight end or blocking punts, whatever it is they need him to do. But it was nice to see him kind of get into a, a quarterback groove and see that, yeah, he actually might be a fit um, at starting quarterback for the, the Saints for the long term as long as he can stay healthy and, and can play like he is right now every week. That, that's kind of the feel I got. I don't know, I mean, how much time that, that takes for him to kind of just be the, the guy if Breeze is going to say done after this year, but, I, I think it gave a lot of Saints fans and me as a BYU fan watching Taysom some hope that, hey, he could have a long NFL career at quarterback rather than just as a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, that that definitely is positive. And, yeah, definitely he's proving the naysayers wrong because, I mean, I mean, even watching his last year at BYU, I think, I mean, I guess there's a reason he didn't get drafted. Like, he, he kind of struggled after some of those injuries. But you see, like, he's a big, like, athletic dude. Like, once he kind of got over those and got into the NFL and just helped out his team. Like, it just seems like, yeah, they, they love him in, in New Orleans. Um, I bet I bet Green Bay might regret a little bit letting him walk. And um, But, but yeah, great for Taysom. Um, 
So, yeah, I just thought it would be good to touch on him because, I mean, every week he's doing great, and and we'll have to touch on other BYU players in future episodes. But um, last, but I guess not the least, we'll we'll go to the the basketball game. And this is one I watched the whole time. And as painful as it was for BYU fans for um, losing to Coastal Carolina, I felt very similar in this game because, you know, I'm – I'm a, I, even though I like BYU, I'm also a diehard Aggie, so I, I kind of felt bad. Like, it's kind of similar to like when um, BYU has been losing to Utah the last nine times. Like, it's kind of the same thing with basketball. But what were your takeaways? Like, what do you think ultimately helped BYU win the, the game in hoops at, at the Spectrum? Um, I don't know if you kind of noted this too, but I don't think BYU has had a rim protector like ARMS in years past. And I think he caused some havoc down low um, that I haven't seen. I mean, Yoli was great, right? But he's not, and he's a rebounder, but he's not like punishing people and, and blocking shots and stuff that way. That was something that I was kind of surprised with. And I'm not, when I was looking at Harms, I was watching the game, I was like, man, this dude is, he's tall. He's not super strong, but there's something about just that length um, that was kind of disruptive. And then, honestly, at the beginning of the season, my thought was, who's going to be the leader on this team? Because it seems like you have a bunch of good role players. Um, and I think Barcelo, Alex Barcelo's really stepped up for BYU. Um, and he, I don't know, he just had this great drive yesterday that I was watching, um, hitting floaters in the lane or um, just doing different things that um, ball handling-wise, um, dispersing the ball, passing the ball was really, I think, the past couple of times I've watched BYU Utah State past couple of years, um, I noticed that they distribute the ball really, really well. Um, and that's kind of the, the biggest takeaways. I think towards the end of the game, as you will probably know, I think there was some, I don't know, there were some questionable um, <laughs> refereeing calls. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I was like, oh man, if I'm an Aggie, I'm, I'm really ticked right now just because it doesn't, it didn't seem like it was quite um, all the way there. But I think more than anything, I think the Aggies had a chance to win. I just think they couldn't get the ball to drop. Um, They couldn't hit that free throw at the end. Um, Even though Barcelo gifted them one, um, they just went one for one each going, going that way. And I think overall, I think that's probably the biggest thing though, the length around the rim and then Alex Barcelo. And then, I mean, you can't take Caleb Lohner for granted because he he started hitting um, threes. And I mean, that's what the, the headline is, right? The the three is what hit the one in the game for BYU, and that's what happened last year, too. There was a, a corner three that really sunk the Aggies, but really I think it came down to the Aggies not hitting shots, and earlier in the game they were hitting shots. They came back from 11 points down to take it down to one point down to tie the game. You know what I mean? And it, it just seemed like, I don't know, at the end they just couldn't hit shots, and I thought they really were going to pull it out, and that would have been double heartbreak. But, yeah, and it was an interesting, really interesting finish and, and game overall. Yeah, I missed a lot of good things. I was thinking a lot of the same things on the BYU side with Caleb Lohner. Like, I've been tracking, like, yeah, he started his career at 0 for 12, and I guess somebody said, oh, Tyler Haas or, or TJ, I can't remember which one, but one of them started off the same and ended up being, yeah, I think it was Tyler, because, yeah, he ended up being the leading scorer in BYU history. So, who knows, maybe Caleb Lohner will get there. But, I mean, he's really talented for a freshman. Um, Harms, yeah, defensively, I thought, he was really great. He he, some of the a lot of the blocks I saw were against like if any guard or anybody just tried to get to the paint, he'd stop him. And yeah, he had four blocks. Um, offensively, like he, I mean, 
Kata got the better of him on the offensive end with like the so Kata had eighteen and Harms had eight. But yeah, Alex Barcelo was great. And then I think one guy we we got to mention, um, Connor Harding. He didn't score a lot, but he did hit the three, and then he got the baseball pass. And, and you mentioned kind of the questionable call, and I'm sure it's tough to be a referee, but I heard, I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard that the guy on, like, the midcourt made the call on the out-of-bounds play, and I was kind of trying to figure out like, what the, so the rules are is I guess you can't review an out-of-bounds play, but um, apparently the refs did, saw that he didn't he didn't travel, like, even though there was thoughts that before it went out-of-bounds, like, they traveled, but, like, he didn't really have possession of the ball, they said, so, um, so then I guess he, he stepped out and, and let go of the ball, but, like, it was, like, so close that like, you have to have a camera to see it, and, and they didn't, and especially if the midcourt guy was making it, like, so, so, so that was one that got maybe Aggie's man. The only other one I can think of was the part where Brandon Averett, like, he was the fire, and, and granted, he might have been a little bit provoked, because, you saw Rolly Worcester was kind of like staring at him afterwards because there was just a little bit of pushing and shoving, and then and then Averett pushed him, and then and then I yeah I guess they got a double technical, but um, if I'm an Aggie like I mean I can sit here and make excuses. Like, yeah, also we didn't have our coach and it wasn't a packed spectrum, but at the end like those are just excuses. Like we didn't like you said like even Aggie fans I think Aggie fans that are being like real and not just like homers because I mean some of it it's easy to get the Aggie goggles on just like BYU might get their blue goggles on and, and say like oh like it's everyone else's fault but we went 2 of 13 for, from 3 um, we went 20 from 29 from free throw like, that's not terrible but BYU even though they had 10 less free throws they shot at a better clip like 78% um, we out, we out rebounded we did some good things we out we stole the ball more so like I, I don't know, it just evened out that we didn't make enough points. And, I, I, yeah, like like you were saying, I really thought we were going to get it. And even though Rolly Worcester went one for two at the end, like, I mean, he, he's a freshman. A lot a lot of these guys, I think you'll see BYU and Utah State improve because there's a lot of new faces in through the years. I think you'll see both both of them do well. Um, And I was I was surprised just looking. Yeah, we we didn't score a lot, but our defense, kept us in the game. I think we stopped BYU, but, like, Brock Miller, I'm surprised he didn't get more um, shot attempts. He he only had three points. It was one for three from three, and he's kind of our guy that can hit the three more than not, and so the, overall, yeah, we only got one three from him and one from our bench guy, Keenan Ashworth, and, and BYU's bench was a little bit better. Like, we only had five points off the bench, and they had 12, like, but yeah, overall, um, I always love seeing this game because, um, yeah, football. Like I, Aggies haven't always been a football school, but I feel like growing up, I always grew up watching basketball. And, and when Stu Moore was the coach, I think we, I think we, we got, we, we protected our home court. And I, but I can't really fault Craig Smith because he wasn't really there to, to, to <laughs> coach him up. But like, but um, I, I hope in a couple of years, if Craig decides to stay around and and doesn't like um just kill it and get a job somewhere else. I I, I think it'd be cool to to see this game. Like COVID, it's a really weird year, right? But it'd be cool to see totally. this 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 game in like a packed. Because I remember last year, even at Vivint Arena, it it almost felt like a home game for the Aggies, which surprised me because I thought like 
more B- BYU is a little bit closer to Salt Lake, but um, yeah, I, I'm guessing next year we'll be in Provo, and then maybe we'll have another visit game. But but yeah, that was definitely one I was excited about, and, and even though I felt sad as an Aggie, I, I felt like kind of like BYU fans had such a heartbreaker that maybe it helped them get over their loss a little bit in in football. Yeah. So, do you think well, the bench depth? at all kind of plays into that too. That was the only other thought that I was going to say is BYU played five bench players and the the minutes dispersal. I mean, you had um, George who played 13 minutes. You had Johnson who played 18 minutes. And then Nell, Harvard, and Lee all played a, a little bit. But, I mean, you had Keda who was in there for almost the entire game. Yeah, he was in there. On, yeah. yeah. And then Worcester, 37 minutes. But I think that's one thing where down the road, if the Aggies can get that bench depth, that's the only thing – if they can have more rest, I don't know. And then maybe they'll hit those shots down the stretch. And hopefully that's kind of where it goes for the Aggies. But, yeah. Yeah. And we have length, but it just seems like we are only really comfortable with Kada because some of our length, like, like I mean, it, you can't really teach seven feet. So I, I wish they would kind of get some of those guys. I'm trying to remember. I'm drawing a blank on some of the names. But they have three guys, including Kada, on the team that are over seven feet. Um Oh yeah, that Trevin Dorius. I don't think he got in the game at all. And then Kata, and then is it Anderson? Is he no, no it looks like six, six. Zyman's Apollo. He's six eleven, so yeah, close enough. Oh, Kuba Karwaski. Yeah, he played a little bit last year, so he's seven foot two, like almost arms his height. So I mean, if we could try to get them, like, uh, and I don't know, maybe they're the coach. I mean, the coach season in practice maybe feels like their coordination isn't quite there, but. I mean, Harms, like you said, even though he isn't bit like bulky, like he he he's even able to make threes sometimes. Like he's definitely a threat, like on defense and and on offense when he he, he can hit that shot. Well, I don't think he's like a true post player. I think he'll be like a really good stretch if um if and when he makes the NBA. But but yeah, overall, um, great game. And then BYU, like I was saying, they have some good games. They, let's see, who did they play next in basketball? It's tough on, oh, well, they get Boise at home this year, but um, Aggie fans and BYU fans know that, yeah, last year kind of stung both of us lost at Boise, and we lost a big lead there, but it'll be nice that, that you guys can get Boise at home. And Utah, that, let me tell you, that's going to be, a good game after last year. Like, BYU is going to be motivated. So, I think we'll, they'll win at least one. I, I think with, with with Utah, you never know. I, I, I'm pretty sure BYU will be Boise. But, yeah, with Utah, um, I think BYU is favored in that game. Yeah, it's uh, 64%. So, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, well, I think that wraps it up. And, and, and there's definitely a lot to talk about this week. But, but Jake, I appreciate your time, and we'll have to to keep collaborating on other podcasts or or other hive stuff. And and yeah, thanks for your insight. Absolutely, I appreciate you letting me come on and chat with you about BYU and get over some of the the pain from the weekend, but also talk about some of the good things. And I just appreciate you letting me join you. Yeah, thanks. You have a good weekend. Yeah, yeah go Cougars. Go Cougs. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah. 
TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.